0: This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. And we are getting into the final countdown to the 2020 presidential election. This is the home stretch and that has meant that newspapers both national and local have spent the last few weeks announcing their endorsements.
1: Now newspapers and media outlets have been formally endorsing candidates for well over a hundred years in this country and for some of those endorsements they carry a lot of weight with people because they're coming from a trusted news source. Of course other people kind of shrug them off. Uh, So we wanted to talk about whether endorsements are really relevant especially today in 2020 in this political environment so we spoke with a couple people who have a lot of experience in this area
0: now John heiner is the vice president of content for m live which is where I work and he has worked on many an election endorsement for live but now m live has decided to no longer endorse candidates of any kind uh, MLive stopped doing these endorsements actually for the governor's race in 2018 they did not endorse any Anybody for that race. And this year they're sitting out the presidential election as well. And Heiner said that they decided to do this after the 2016 presidential election.
2: I think we learned in the aftermath of that, that where our power lies and where we're best is presenting information, news, doing reporting on substantive issues.
0: I think what's important to note is when it comes to endorsements, they take a ton of time. Heiner said that they used to sometimes start in the spring for primaries, and they would just spend hours upon hours interviewing candidates for the various elections and for Quite a number of positions all the way, you know, up and down the ticket, including things like drain commissioner. So it takes an incredible amount of time. And with news outlets continuing to shrink, it's getting more and more difficult to be able to put together a really thoughtful well-researched endorsement.
1: And of course, a lot of people still do believe that these endorsements are a key function of newspapers. Uh, Someone that I work with, Steven Henderson here at WDET, his former position was editorial page editor at the Detroit Free Press. So he's made a lot of endorsements over the years and has really led those decisions at not just the Free Press, but a number of different papers across the country. And he says, even if you're not going to change someone's mind with
3: an endorsement, it's still valuable. The newspaper is like a neighbor in your community. And so when it tells you which candidate it favors for any particular political office, it's a way for voters to say, well, I know this institution and I know what they stand for. In this instance, they're going to go with this candidate. So that helps me as a voter think about Where I stand.
0: And whether a newspaper endorses candidates or doesn't, they are still providing a wealth of information in the months, weeks possibly even years, leading up to an election with all of their coverage. And also, don't forget that a lot of newspapers and news outlets also provide voter guides, which will just give you a rundown on where the candidates stand on various issues, which can be incredibly helpful.
1: So the most important thing, of course, is that you vote, you make a plan to vote, and you do it in a really informed way. And your local paper or, you know, your public radio station, both great places to start.
0: The episode You heard from two different perspectives about the importance of endorsements and sort of how newspapers go about deciding whether or not to endorse. We wanted to make sure that you were able to hear the full conversations. And you're going to hear from Stephen Henderson a little bit later. But first, here is John Heiner from MLive. John, thank you so much for coming to MishMash.
2: Shana, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thank you, Jake.
1: Absolutely. Uh, John, I'm, I'm, you know we're curious. Uh, you know, MLive made this decision not to make an endorsement in the presidential election this year. Um, you know, talk about that decision and how you came to it and what it means.
2: Well, what people might find interesting is we made an announcement uh, last week that we would not be endorsing in the presidential election, but the decision was made uh, really over three years ago in the aftermath of the 2016 presidential election. When we did endorse, uh, MLive endorsed for Hillary Clinton, like 60 other major newspapers in the U.S., it was pretty unanimous. Um, And I think we learned in the aftermath of that that where our our power lies and where we're best is presenting information, news, doing reporting on substantive issues. Um, In 2016, it was a... It just hit home really, really hard that the traditional roles of these institutions uh, that had opinion like newspapers and had a platform to deliver it had been turned upside down, especially by social media. And I'm not just talking about disinformation, but just the just the you know, fire hose of opinion that's out there and also how people are interacting, getting information on a day to day basis outside of mainstream media. And so we stepped back and said, where's our value in this kind of environment? And in the wake of that endorsement in 2016 for Hillary Clinton, we started to feel like opinion had caused a, a loss of trust in mainstream news's information itself, not just opinion. And so we had a lot of substantive discussion about this. And what kind of nobody really noticed is in 2018, we didn't endorse in the gubernatorial race uh, when Whitmer won. Uh, nobody really noticed that MLive did not have an endorsement. And I think if I hadn't announced this last week in a column and a podcast, people might not have noticed very much by the time of the election because like, we're all inundated with everybody else's opinion anyways.
0: So you mentioned that this is something that not endorsing is essentially a new thing for MLive. What was the reasoning beforehand for endorsing candidates? And and what was sort of the process for figuring that out in prior races and election
2: years? Well, some of this is philosophical and some of it is practical. Uh, A lot of the people who I've heard from who disagree with us not endorsing say it's a matter of principle that we we have a responsibility to to point out. the strengths and weaknesses of candidates and take a stand. Um, the, the, The word cowardice has been used a lot. It's been lobbed at me. But practically speaking, our newspapers aren't, we're not staffed the way we used to be. We have eight newspapers in Michigan and they all had a lot more employees in the past. And we had editorial boards and editorial boards had the capacity to serve a very important public service, which is we would bring in candidates for city council drain commissioner, you name it, judges. And we would spend an hour interviewing them and getting deep into their stands on issues and then giving informed opinion. We've lost the resources and the ability to do that. We don't have editorial boards like that anymore and it's sad to say. Um, so we put our resources into news reporting and getting information that's critical, vetting it and getting it out to people so they make, can make their own decisions. So we don't have editorial boards set up, practically speaking, like we used to. I think that was a real public service, but that was also a different era where the newspaper was literally everyone was on the same page in a the community. They were getting their information from the same source and the trust factor was extremely high. Um, I think you would, we'd all know that that has changed a lot in our society. So you you
1: touched on this a little bit in that in that answer about how people have been reacting, some by saying that, um, you know, you have an obligation or moral obligation to take a stand or to, uh, you know, express, you know, your values as an organization and and also uh, accompany that with, uh, you know, some information. I'm curious, you know, overall, I guess, thinking about endorsements of this kind in general, Would you say that that, you know, sort of moral obligation does not exist for newspapers these days?
2: I would say that the landscape has changed so dramatically that the it was almost important that we did that before. Now there's other things in newspaper history where you'd have like Detroit has the conservative Detroit News and the you know the more liberal Detroit Free Press, and you could kind of guess what their endorsement was going to be. It's almost like their obligation to say it out loud, but. I would say, given the, the current landscape and everything we saw happen in 2016, uh, through Facebook, not just the, the disinformation that came from like Russian operatives and so forth, but how people are getting entrenched and combative in social media about where they stand on things that we felt it's almost like throwing gas on a fire now, rather than putting you know, water on a fire. It's almost like putting gas on a fire. The people who agree with you, um, you know they salute you everyone else tunes you out and i think the thing that journalists and journalism do best is exploring digging into issues um one of the things we did after the 2016 election and it you know we realized that something had happened in america i mean it seemed obvious to so many people that there was an unqualified candidate and yet he got elected and you know half of the electorate is still there with him um in 4 years later despite everything that's happened So it's not what would seem obvious, or in the past what newspapers would, you know, stand up and say is obvious, it's not so obvious. Something happened in our culture and in society that happened right under our noses that newspapers and mainstream media missed in 2016. So we immediately after 2016 went and buckled down and started to go around Michigan and find these stories and find out why people supported Trump Find out why they turned out the way they did and why they still do four years later I think that those kind of story that kind of storytelling is more important than doing a toss-off opinion and that's what an endorsement is Um, and practically speaking too in Michigan we have eight newspapers from communities as diverse as Grand Rapids and Flint all politics is local in my view and it was hard to represent uh, the differences in the values in these different communities with one editorial for for MLive.
0: That's a really interesting point, that MLive is a little bit different than, say, your Detroit News or your Detroit Free Press, where they are just, you know, they might do, tell statewide news, but they are grounded in one community, whereas MLive is different, where you have multiple hubs that are very different um, and so for the sort of editorial or the the, the powers up at m live to come in and say hey this is what uh, who we're going to endorse I, I did you ever run into problems in the past from hubs being like hey you guys endorse this person that's not representative of our community
2: yeah what was what was unique and new for live in 2016 in addition to all the th- things that were happening in society was prior to that every eight newspapers would make their own independent endorsement. And in 2016, we did it as a news organization for the whole state. And so the Grand Rapids Press is, it had been a more conservative newspaper in a more conservative community. So an endorsement for Hillary Clinton um, did not go over well in that, that community, even though, like I said, some people may say she was the obvious choice, um, but it didn't go over real well. And so the reaction that we got was it started to, people started to tell us they didn't trust our news, that we were biased in our news because we were obviously liberal for endorsing her. And we started to see some erosion of trust there. And one thing I'd really like to dispel that people lobbed at me a lot in emails, they said this was a, we chickened out to save money, that if we'd made an endorsement, people would cancel their subscriptions. And I will tell you right now, that's 0% of the equation no discussion about revenue at all or or subscriptions. And a matter of fact, we had our biggest day of cancellations of digital subscriptions on the day that we said we wouldn't endorse. So if it had been a financial decision, we would have endorsed. And I think the easy way out is just to endorse Joe Biden because the last four years to so many, you know, people look like a train wreck. But again, to us, it made more sense to put our resources and effort into reporting.
1: So so John one of the things that I think about as I sort of rack my brain about the value of newspaper endorsements in 2020 in this media landscape is when I get to sort of what I personally like about newspaper endorsements um and it's sort of exactly what you said uh that that has made it difficult and 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 that to me is that we are inundated with opinion that isn't backed by facts opinion that isn't sort of supported by high-quality reporting, high-quality information. And if you're doing opinion journalism well and you're doing it right, um, you know, it's the kind of opinion writing that we don't get uh, very often. Uh, and and as you said, that takes resources, that takes reporting, that takes, uh, you know, some very, very talented writers to do it the right way. Um but I, you know, I'm curious if you if you do still believe that, you know, um, even if it might not uh, be right for M Live this year, if you do still see the value in that kind of uh, in that kind of journalism.
2: I see the value in exactly what you brought up, Jake. It's a very good point. And, and this goes for everything from, uh, you know, a forensics match to, uh, you know, uh, any kind of opinion writing that's pr- trying to be persuasive as it's fact based that arguments that, you know, it's the dialectic of finding information, challenging viewpoints and reaching a reasonable conclusion based on fact. And that, that's what the best opinion does rather than just like shoot from the hip. And it does take a lot of resources to do that well. And, you know, when I started in this company, uh, one of our newspapers, I think it was the Flint Journal, um, back in the 80s or 90s, had like five or six people on their editorial board and their job was to do research you know, not the opinion writing was just at the tail end of the research. And so we've, we've lost that capacity to do that due to resources. And we've had to make decisions as you know, newspaper fortunes have declined to put our resources into reporting. We still do a little bit of opinion writing. Um, I have a weekly column, but it's mostly just to highlight what's happening with the work being done by MLive. Some of our sports writers do hot takes, but generally we're out of the, opinion business and endorsements were a lot of work. There was a lot of labor and we it took a lot of energy to do them and we took it very seriously once we realized we didn't have the capacity to do that. And I'll also say, I think, as I said before, the most valuable ones were local when you might not know all the candidates for local races. And I think all politics ultimately is local.
0: So we're kind of seeing a movement right now, at least I am, um, from other networks and other types of outlets, particularly national ones, where they're kind of saying that, uh, you know, it's it's impossible for, for news to be unbiased anymore. That we've reached a point where, you know, there has to be sides taken and that you um, – to remain objective is is to potentially mislead people. Um, I guess, where do you stand on that argument? I mean, it sounds like as more outlets sort of, you know, kind of become either more progressive or more conservative, uh, you seem to still strive to ensure that MLive stays neutral. And, and talk to me about why that is.
2: Well, we think we're human beings. Everybody personally goes and votes. So they have a personal choice, which I guess you could call the word bias. Uh, our charge and our responsibility is not to let that affect the work we do when we're um, using our judgment to uh, assign stories, to report the stories and present the stories. Uh, neutral, we try, We neutral doesn't mean that you don't have a point of view because every story has a premise. When we investigate the uh, county commissioner who, you know, embezzled you know, $100,000, that's a, we had a point of view and we had a premise and we, that, that's a pretty aggressive form of, of news reporting and it's in the public good. And I think that's what we're after here is we have to, we're like an umpire. So you have to call balls and strikes sometimes and you, you make choices about what you cover. And that's one of the things we strive to do. It's kind of an old joke that would, if half of your emails say, you're liberal and half say you're conservative you're probably doing it right and that's kind of the breakdown that i get um people don't they look at our story selection and and they find bias to them implicit bias in there or sometimes even explicit but it isn't so much of being neutral uh, like because you could see something that looks wrong and then you go and it could be a social will it could be like our mental health package when we showed there's not enough state funding and support for mental health services in Michigan and families are suffering. That's a point of view, but you try to, what you try to do is balance that and show the causes and show what's behind it in an informed way. That's news reporting. There's reasons behind things. You try to show that. It doesn't mean there's always a bad guy or a good guy or winner or a loser, um, but when it comes to making a stand on this presidential endorsement, like I said, in 2016, because the climate had had become so hostile and volatile, people took that to mean that our reporting was biased. And the interesting thing is MLive doesn't really do national reporting on politics. So they transferred that to our local news political reporting and said that we were, you know, in their view, that that caused an explicit bias. Um, we We didn't think... Honestly, uh, I was surprised a little bit about how strong people felt when I announced we weren't endorsing because when we didn't endorse in the, the governor's election in 2018, it didn't even make a ripple. People didn't notice it. It was more the fact that I said it out loud that <laughs> seemed to upset some people. And, and you can, as you can imagine, almost all the people who are upset that we didn't endorse were Biden supporters. They felt like the, you know, you need to state the obvious and we were too chicken to do that. Um, we happen to think that people can use information to make their own judgments. And the fact that 46 million Americans have already voted means people have been using their own judgment and getting out there. That's a very motiv- motivated electorate. And we were not sure. And we were actually, were kind of sure that what we had to say wasn't adding a lot to that, practically speaking.
0: John Heiner is the vice president of content for MLive. John, thank you so much
1: for being with us.
2: Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it.
1: So, you know, we've been talking about endorsements, about what they're worth, if they're relevant here on Mishmash, and I actually had a chance to sit down and talk with uh, Stephen Henderson. I am the senior producer on Stephen's show Detroit Today, and uh, Stephen for a long time made a lot of the editorial decisions at the Detroit Free Press when he was editorial page editor there with his team of opinion writers, and so I thought I would pick his brain as well about this issue and whether or not presidential endorsements specifically are relevant from local newspapers, Stephen. Thanks for joining us here on Mishmash. Yeah, great to be here, Jake. So, as someone who's gone through this process so many times over a number of years, you know, what is what's your thought on how relevant those you know endorsements, especially in this environment where? There aren't a whole lot of people on the fence about someone like Donald Trump. So, you know, why put resources into making a presidential endorsement for a local paper instead of maybe putting those resources into covering more local races?
3: Well, it's really a question about the value of opinion journalism. And lots of people don't necessarily value opinion journalism, but as somebody who spent more than 20 years uh, in opinion journalism at three different uh, newspapers, I obviously do, and and I think sometimes people misinterpret what that value actually is. So, an, an endorsement is not necessarily an attempt to sway voters into doing one thing or another. I don't think anybody who writes an endorsement, any paper who publishes an endorsement, really believes. that's what happens. I always viewed it as a touchstone for voters to be able to try to sort of think through where they sit. The newspaper is like a neighbor in your community. It's an institution that has a point of view that uh, over time lets you know how it comes to that point of view, lets you know how it thinks through issues. And so when it tells you which candidate It favors for any particular political office. It's an expression uh, of that thinking, and it's it's an expression uh, of of that of that work, and it's a way for voters to say, "Well, I know this institution, and I know what they stand for. In this instance, they're going to go with this candidate. So that helps me as a voter think about." Where I stand, if I hate the newspaper and disagree with everything that they're saying, uh, then maybe I don't go along and 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 think, well, uh, that's that's what that's what they say, and I'll do my own thing. If it's uh, an institution that you do agree with, uh, maybe it helps you think through the choice that you're making. It's a it's a much more nuanced exercise than most people, I think, think it is. And I think it's an important exercise. It it is a marker in a community. This newspaper says that this candidate embodies its values and therefore should win this race. It's also, I think, one of the reasons that we need more newspapers. Think about Detroit in particular, uh, how privileged we are that we have two daily newspapers, both with editorial pages and both with editorial staffs. Uh, one conservative, one liberal, uh, you, you, you can really get a sense of where, where, where things stand by looking at what both of those papers say, often, uh, often the polar opposite uh, of each other, but they are markers of what, what, what's going on in this community and how people are thinking.
1: So talk about the work that goes behind an endorsement. I mean, uh, you've mentioned before it's not necessarily something that editorial boards look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, it's. It, I think that it's an interesting discussion in this day and age where you go on Twitter, you're seeing opinion coming from all different directions from people that you know or people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. We're inundated with opinion. Talk about the role of opinion journalism in this age where opinion is is pretty cheap. Uh, in in that <laughs> regard, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I I think what we would say in opinion journalism is that we create considered opinion. And when we talk about considered, what we're saying is that it's reported opinion. Opinion journalists are journalists just like investigative reporters or beat reporters or feature reporters or sports reporters. We spend most of our time reporting on issues. That means talking to people. That means digging through records and documents. Uh, It means interacting with uh, voters about what they're thinking and how they're doing things. And so uh, there's a point of view that you're able to come to that's really informed. Whether, Whether readers agree with it or not, I think what they can trust is that there's been a lot of time and effort put into Uh, making that decision. Uh, Newspapers, of course, over time have lost more and more resources. And so that exercise becomes much tougher. I mean, you're talking about, in some cases, dozens of races that a newspaper might have to look at, uh, especially in local elections, and figure out which candidate they want to back. That gets harder and harder the fewer people that you have. But I think when, when you open up the newspaper or go to the website and click on an endorsement and read it, I, I still have a, a lot of confidence and readers should still have a lot of confidence that there is an incredible amount of knowledge uh, and reporting that, that goes behind that uh, opinion. And that's really different from Twitter or Facebook where everybody who, whether they have that knowledge or have done the work or not, uh, is able to say what, what, what they think. There's a distinction, I think, between rampant opinion and considered opinion, and newspapers, uh, I, I think, in their best iteration... Tried to indulge the former, mm. yeah or the that's a, latter, I should say. Right, right,
1: yeah. The, the, the that was something that I actually asked uh, John Heiner about with M Live, uh, who made this decision uh, at that paper or that that group of papers, I should say, to not make an endorsement this year. What I what I was saying to him is, look, you know, when I think of the things that I really value from opinion journalism in local newspapers, it's those local races that I, maybe I don't know a whole lot about that uh, that that your, the papers are making endorsements and whether or not I agree with the endorsements, you know, you can do things like you can go to voter guides, you can watch interviews with these candidates and and you can kind of see what they're saying and try to parse that out. But what you're missing is a whole lot of context mm-hmm. because that takes so much effort to you know, uh, to not just listen to their words and dis- decide whether you like them or not, but then to look at the race in total and, 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 everything that sort of is encompassed in that race. And that's what opinion journalists do when they're making these endorsements is that, uh, you know, that it's, it's not just, um, you know, whether, um, this candidate is uh, red or blue or whatever, but, you know, there's a whole lot of information that you just don't get anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I don't, think that, I mean, I don't personally, and I don't think I know a lot of people who are swayed on major races that everyone is following all the time that you're inundated with uh, information about. But yeah, the value I get mostly is from those down-ballot races when yeah. I'm reading those endorsements. Yeah,
3: and that and that's where, that's where the work comes in. I mean, uh, you're talking about many, many races, many, many candidates, many, many, many issues that the opinion journalist has to figure out and then figure out, which candidate uh, deserves the news? The newspaper's backing. You know, the other piece of this work, though, for editorial pages, uh, and this is a much more recent uh, development uh, with the internet becoming such a powerful tool for sharing information. Uh, we always published a voter guide as well, a digital voter guide, where you could go in, uh, type in your address, and get a sample of your ballot. You would be able to click on the candidates and see their bios. You'd be able to read about the issues uh, in the race. That's just as valuable as the the endorsement itself, I think, in, in, in many cases. Um, and, and the two in tandem, again, give readers context and and a marker for for making their own decision. Here's this uh, neighbor in my community who's saying who's who's done some research about the candidates and the issues in this race and this is what they say they want to do. I think there's uh, an inherent value in that. I would also say th- that you know the surprise endorsement is another really valuable tool. You go back to uh, when John Engler won the free press endorsement for re-election in his first bid. Uh, People people were shocked by that because it was uh, a liberal newspaper saying that this Republican governor who had done some pretty radically conservative things in his first term deserved the paper's endorsement because he was better than the Democratic alternative, even though the paper would have agreed far more uh, with the Democratic candidate. Same thing with uh, Rick Snyder, who earned the paper's and endorsement two times as well. Both times, uh, readers were uh, taken aback. And and I'll be honest, readers were angry. You're still uh, hearing about that uh, to this day, uh, absolutely. Stephen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, especially the reelection election uh, endorsement of, of Rick Snyder uh, disappointed a lot of people, made a lot of people angry. Um, but it was, again... A measure of how this <clears throat> this institution uh, in the community sees the race, sees the candidate, sees the issues, and comes down on it. I don't know that it sways uh, again votes one way or another, but it does. I think help people think through what they what they end up doing.
1: Stephen Henderson, host of Detroit Today here on WDET and former editorial page editor at the Detroit Free Press. Thanks so much for joining us on Mishmash. Absolutely. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer.
0: And I'm Shayna Roth. Thanks for tuning in.